Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Hello and welcome. My name is Tumelo and we're in a sermon series we are calling Disconnected. And in this sermon series, we aim to answer questions about prayer. Our key verse for the sermon series is in Luke 11, where the disciples asked Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And I mean, this is such a powerful thing that they asked Jesus because they could have asked him anything. They could have asked Jesus how to turn water into wine. I mean, what a party trick would that be, right? Watch out, SAB. You can't stop us now, right? But instead, they asked Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And this week, we're going to look at this question. Is there a wrong way to pray? See, Jesus gives us direct instructions in the way we should approach prayer. And we see this in Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he tells them, guys, when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites, for they love standing in synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and speak to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of the many words they use. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you can ask him. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6 about how we should approach our prayer life. So, so why am I sharing this with you? Some people, especially the religious leaders, loved being seen as holy people. And so they put on a show, a public spectacle of their moments of prayer. But Jesus saw through their self-righteous acts and he saw that and he taught that the essence of prayer is not this public professional style of prayer, but it is a personal, private communication with God. Don't get me wrong. There is a place for public prayer. But if your goal in public prayer is to be seen by others, then it is clear that your audience is not God, that you are putting on a show for people. See, the point is not a choice between public prayer or private prayer. The choice is between a heartfelt prayer or a hypocritical one. See, Jesus tells us that there are two ways that we should not pray. In this portion of scripture that we see in Matthew, Jesus says that the, the way we should approach prayer is not by making a show for people or making a show for God. That we should have a very personal and authentic open relationship in engaging with God. And when we pray, the prize is not what God can give us, the prize is God Himself. See, I'm reminded of a, of my, of a story in my childhood. <clears throat> and I was about the age of four, five, six. And I remember my dad driving up the driveway and my siblings and I hearing this happen. We would all get so riled up and so excited that we'd gather by the front door and start having this little chant of Baba's coming, Baba's coming. Knowing that when he stepped foot into that door without fail, He'd bring us whatever packet of sweets that he got from the garage up the road. And we filled with excitement and anticipation, chanting this chant, knowing that our father had so much to give us. I realize now that 20 years later, that was not the reward. The reward is the relationship with my dad. I cherish those what's, the WhatsApps that I have now with him more than the sweets that I had. I mean, I don't even remember what they tasted like, but I can tell you the conversations we have. I can tell you the moments of inspiration that he's given me. The relationship is the reward, not the gift itself. My dad is the gift, not what he gives me. 
And in the same way, should you come to God for God, you will experience a greater joy, a greater fulfillment in life. God himself, the real reward. See, David had an understanding of this when, we, when he wrote the psalm <clears throat> in Psalm 63, verse 1, when he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. See, David had the understanding that God is the reward, that we don't need to beg or seek out his gifts because he is the gifts. His steadfast love is better than life itself. That is how we should approach God when we pray. But why do we struggle with this prayer? Why do we struggle with the prayer that Jesus invites us into? Why do we struggle with this personal, heartfelt, authentic prayer? Well, friends, the answer is plain and simple. The answer is all the time itself is that humanity has this deeply rooted feeling of, that, of insecurity that we are just not good enough. That if anyone wants to see the real us, if anyone wants to see the real me, I would definitely get rejected. If they knew who I was behind closed doors, if they knew who I was behind the veil, if they knew who I was behind the mask I put up, it is sure and sure rejection that I would receive. This insecurity that we have before people often translates to our relationship with God. If I feel naked and ashamed, I need to hide. And this, this is the result of sin. From the very first moment sin entered the scene, this has been man's reaction, is that we should hide and cover up whatever we lacked. And this is the story that we entered into. So we can see this in the old covenants. We can see this in the stories of the old prophets. And one of the stories we can see this in, plain as day, is the story of Moses in Exodus. We'd see Moses go up the mountain and have an encounter with God. And the result of this was a glorious radiating face that he would have to cover up. So why did Moses cover up his face? He, was, he tried to hide the glory of God by veiling his face. He put on a show for the Israelites because he knew that something about the old covenant was temporary, that this radiating glory would fade over time. See, Moses knew this and he didn't, rather than, rather than show it out and be transparent and open, he would cover his face with the veil. And this indicates that the glory was fading from his face and he didn't want the people to see that the radiance was impermanent. It would, would have been embarrassing for him and maybe even poke holes in the authenticity of his encounter with God. See, this insecurity that we all feel as human beings leads us to a place where we need to cover up. But this is where Jesus changes everything. That we get, in, we get a face-to-face -face relationship with God, where the veil is torn. There is no distance, there is nothing between us. We see this physically happen in Matthew 27, verse 51, and it says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross has torn the veil. The temporary has become permanent. There is no need for us to hide anything. There is no need for us to feel shame anymore because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The veil is torn. <clears throat> 
but this also has a secondary implication for us. This means that there's no distance between us and God. There's no need to hide. There's nowhere to hide. God is with us. There's no distance. And we see this in the Hebrew writing where it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus Christ, let us then draw near with a heart full of assurance of faith. This means that we have relationship with God, that we are no longer just redeemed from people who who were once sinners. We are no longer sinners. We are sons. We are repositioned into sonship. That He has removed the veil and I now step into the new reality that I am deeply loved, highly favored and richly blessed. This is my new reality. This is my new position. This is my new stance in prayer is that I am deeply loved, highly favored and richly blessed. This is our new covenant. But friends, after sharing all of this, I feel compelled to ask you a few questions. What veil am I still wearing in front of God? What face am I putting in front of God that I feel that I still need to hide behind? Is it the face of works? Am I hiding behind all the serving spaces that I'm in so that God, you can see me as your good and faithful servant? Or is it the face of my Bible reading, my Bible reading face? I can quote scripture like never before. That I have all the, the, the stickers from my YouVersion Bible app. Or is it the sympathy face? Oh, woe is me, God. Oh, woe is me. I've done it again. May you please forgive me. What faces are we still hiding behind? What faces are we hiding behind from God? The second question I want to ask you guys is this. What veil are we putting in front of people? What face are we hiding behind from people? Are we we hiding behind the fine face? Not, Not this fine face. Are we hiding behind the fine face of fragile, insecure, neurotic, emotional? Are we falling apart behind the seams but need, have this need to put up a face of everything is fine? Or is it this, the face of religion, the face of that we can do all these right acts, that we can get it all right, that we can climb the ladder of religion so that I can be seen as someone who is righteous? through my own works. Friends, if you are hiding behind any of those faces, either be it from people or from God, today I want to invite you into this authentic, open relationship where there is freedom in the name of Jesus Christ, where the veil is torn, where you are invited into an authentic relationship, an authentic conversation with your loving Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for what you have invited us into. Lord, we celebrate the reward of relationship with you, that we get to explore this. We get to enjoy the adventure of being with you every single day, God, that you are are not a father who is far away, but a father who is near, who invites us to draw near, who calls us his beloved children. In your heavenly name, Father, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.